0: Hello, you're listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. Who am I? I'm going on my 30th year of marriage to my lovely wife, Michelle. I'm a father of six, a lawyer, a big fan of St. Joan of Arc Parish and School, University of Illinois, Marquette, University of Portland, University of Notre Dame, and an amateur coach. But I'm also a business owner and entrepreneur. On this podcast, I sit down with interesting people and business professionals across the nation who are making a big impact in their communities. I want to find out how they got started and what we can learn from them. I hope you enjoy. Don't forget to subscribe and share your thoughts by leaving a review. Today we're speaking with Joe Williams. Now I'll give you a little bit of background about Joe. Joe was working with the federal government for a number of years and is presently retired uh, from from that practice, but still continues a practice of law in Illinois. How are you, Joe? Pretty good. How you doing, Joe? Good, good. So, um, whenever I speak to folks, I always try to remember uh, where our, our paths first crossed. I, I want to believe that you and I first met when we both um were uh, members of the Illinois State Bar Association and i think you and i may have been on the same committee
1: yeah that's correct we're judiciary committee
0: oh is that right yeah so yeah. i um i uh I, I i know that was probably i want to say nearly 30 years ago huh
1: yeah i'd say Ninety two, ninety three, somewhere around there.
0: That's great. Yeah. So, um, Joe, why don't you um, tell our listeners um, a little bit about your background? Where, where, um, where do you come from? What, what area of the country?
1: I, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, after that, uh, very poor neighborhood. After that, got an opportunity to get a scholarship and go away to college in uh, the Philadelphia area, Lincoln University. And after that, I uh, went to law school at uh, Case Western Reserve University. Um, came to Chicago because my wife uh, had relocated here and she was with uh, one of the big eight accounting firms, now uh, uh, big 4 uh KPNG. Um, She came here uh, with them. And then later she went with McDonald's. And so I came here and looking for a position. First position I got was with the mid-sized law firms out here in uh, Wheaton, Wheaton, Illinois, where they did a lot of uh, uh, debt collection, a lot of real estate, did a lot of major development out here in Chicago, up and down. I mean, in uh, the western suburbs, up and up and down Roosevelt Road, Glen Ellyn, uh, Wheaton, Warrenville. And stayed with them for a few years, and decided that I wanted to really do some serious litigating. So after that, I got an opportunity to go with the Illinois Attorney General's office.
0: Well, let's was, let's back up for a second. So uh-huh. um, I'm pretty interested um, in the backstory for folks, and um, we can get to the the professional part, but I want to I want to talk about. Uh, how a kid from Brooklyn, New York, ends up at Lincoln University. So, let's back it up here. So, you're growing up in Brooklyn,
1: uh-huh.
0: and um, you know, uh, we're, Joe and I are talking right now. It's April first, twenty twenty, and it's a uh, it's a real tough time for our country, especially New York City, where I think where half of the the coronavirus cases are are right now in New York city. And, um, it's just ravaged right now. And, um, so I know that you're, you're from there. What what are your thoughts about what's going on out there?
1: Well, I I think New York is going to be okay. Uh, 9 million people. And I think they have a decent mayor and they're getting help from the federal government. I kind of think New York is going to be okay, but New York has always been kind of like the center of the universe to us. It's like, you know, every place else wants everybody, everybody in the world or other countries want to be like the United States and everybody in the United States want to be in major cities like New York and L.A. So I kind of think New York is going to survive much like they did with the uh, with the World Trade Center disaster, how they bounced right back. So I'm I'm, I'm not worried about New York too much at all.
0: Well, they seem to be, you know, pretty resilient, you know, dealing with 9-11 and Mm-hmm. and uh, i mean heck that that was a such a i mean i i got intimately involved in that when um back in 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 2001 one of my good friends' his brother was a firefighter that passed away going up uh, one of the world trade centers and trying to rescue people mm-hmm. and i handled his claim uh for, for about 3 years and so i got to know um uh, and meet a lot of the folks from that ladder company and and from the city. And I, I tell you, I, I came out of there with such great respect for the the people of New York and, and, um, and how they, they responded to such an awful, awful tragedy. And, and I think I agree with you. I think our country is going to bounce back from this thing, uh, even, even better. But I tell you, they're sure shouldering the load right now, but let's get back to that Brooklyn upbringing. So you, you said that, uh, yeah, somewhat modest upbringing.
1: Yeah, I grew up grew up in in Brooklyn. Uh poor. Uh not a uh, working class family, but uh on the poor side. Single mother um with a brother and a sister and uh so we grew up in Brooklyn. Sort of like the story from The Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Uh schools that we went to weren't very good schools. Um the uh Managed to stay away from elements that were probably not very good, like gangs and how'd you do drugs, that? Drugs and all that kind of stuff. How did you well, stay the, away? The, how'd you
0: stay away from that? Well, the
1: spiritual upbringing from my mother, and being scared I was going to get a uh, whooping. I mean, it's not not politically correct these days, but we would get spankings. Um, that I did that, and were you the you oldest
0: know, brother, or were you?
1: No, I had a, a, a older sister and an older brother. So you're the baby. I'm the baby. I'm yep. Yeah, out of the three of us.
0: Well Yeah. You know, I they say you know, I'm one of ten, and they say that the longest relationships you'll have in life are with your siblings. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm living that now. I I reach out to them, and we we talk a lot, and and communicate, and it, it's just. Such a nice thing to have a sibling, to to have that journey of life. Did you find it that way?
1: Yeah, for the time that I I had it, I had, you know, unfortunately, uh, most of the tragedy in my life came at an early age. Um, My uh, brother, he's got killed in Vietnam in 1970, Uh, or my mother died in 1966, and my brother died in 1970. And so after that it was just me and my sister.
0: How old were you? Who,
1: I was eleven when my mother died. Oh boy. So, so my sister, who was just seventeen, um, she raised me and my brother. And uh well, really didn't raise my brother because she was she was seventeen and then in nineteen sixty six, and then when she got to be twenty one, then he was twenty and he got killed in the service. And um so then, after that, it was just her and I.
0: How old were you? And How old were you? You were eleven years old.
1: I was eleven when my mother died.
0: Wow! So you're you're seventeen. Your sister's eleven. How mm-hmm. the heck did you make it out of Brooklyn in that situation?
1: Well, actually, we we kind of st- we kind of stayed in Brooklyn. And my sister, who was very smart and was had a kind of had a scholarship, so she had to kind of give that up to start working to take care of her, her younger brothers. And when my brother, when he got old enough, he had a track scholarship to NYU. And when he got, uh, when he got, when he, he, he was supposed to be going, in, he was at NYU. And there wasn't enough money coming into the household. So he took a job at uh, the gas company. And when he took a job at the gas company, it, it, it hurt his deferment, or whatever you would call it, from an Army standpoint. And then he was drafted right into the service. Oh, boy. So... You know, she kind of gave up her career and he got drafted when he started working and I was the little brother, you know, but my sister, she went, she went on to get a job as a receptionist on Wall Street and she kind of worked her way. This was way back in the day of uh, Cobalt and Fortran and she kind of worked her way up to become a computer processor and then a programmer. And then she went to school at night and uh, to community college and got a, finally got got an associate degree in computers.
0: So, uh, what was you, what's your sister's name? Um, Misa. All right. So Misa, it was me, you, and Misa, and you were living in uh, right there in Brooklyn. And then how did how did you get from eleven to eighteen and and make it to a university? I mean, that's a tough upbringing,
1: right? Yeah, well, it was. I had a. a I don't know. I was always a good kid and a smart kid and whatever school I went to, they would always put me in special programs either because I was smart or either because I was well-behaved, <laughs> you know, And I, you know, I wanted to learn and, you know, got to high school and got, had a nice crowd, a good crowd of, of smart kids and athletes who were athletes and smart and, you know, wanted to do certain things. Um, and so from the the my friends uh in the environment that i was around at school you know that made me want to go to college what high
0: school did you end up going to
1: i went to canarsie high school in brooklyn new is york is it still there yeah it's still there well mm-hmm. it's still you, you ever get back football. to new york uh every everyone every little once in a while it's been so long you know i came out of high school in 73 you know, it's, it's been so long. I mean, I don't even recognize the place. Uh, it's changed so much. And, uh, I got some friends though that we get together once a year, about four or five of us. Uh, one's a doctor, one's an engineer, and one's a, uh, property developer in Arizona. And we, we got to, we got, got together last year and we, we all went to Vegas and, uh, you know, it's funny how you, you know, when you're young, when you're a young person you think about all these things that you want to do. And then when you're in your sixties, you still think about all these things you want to do, but you all still go to bed around 10 o'clock.
0: Well, you know, I always, you know, um, I'm 56 and, uh, in my mind, I'm still, you know, in my twenties. Yeah. I, I just, know. I still have that feeling. So I, uh, I get what you're saying. I, um, but when when you get together with those guys does it feel like you're you're back in New York with your same crowd? Oh. Oh, absolutely. Everybody
1: falls right into place. The person who likes music still likes music. The person who who does the math when we get gas to find out how much we we're, we're paying per gallon, he's still that person. You know, the other person that's still the fun person. I'm still the fun person. <laughs> you know, that was my area. <laughs> you all
0: knew all are the good places to go, right? You know all the good places to
1: go, right? Yeah, I had done my research. That's yeah. great. That's great.
0: So, so, um, mm-hmm. so, tell me, did did you play sports at all in high school, or doing like
1: that? Yeah, yeah, I played football a, a little bit until until it got real serious. You know, I wanted the jersey. You know, because the girls they liked the folks that that played sports. So, you know, once I got my jersey, you know, after the first year, after freshman year. Uh, I was done because they were serious at that point. They were going to uh, the weight rooms a lot and developing their bodies. And I was relying fully on, you know, my height and my speed at the time. And so I, I did that for about one year. And that was it. The basketball was just way out of reach because those guys, you know, in New York at the time, you know, if you, you made var- the, our varsity team could beat any junior college in the country. I mean, that's the kind of talent level that they had. And, um, uh, so I did, uh, I was, you know, happy to, to make the football team, you know, the one year, but after that, you know, I just concentrated basically on my studies. Was there
0: any, any, uh, in your neighborhood or, or school system, was there anybody that was like a famous basketball player that, that, that our listeners would know?
1: Uh, I think we world, world be freed, um, out of Philadelphia, uh, and uh, Vinnie Johnson, the um, microwave. I'm thinking the microwave. Yes. Wow. You know, and John Sally. You know, John Sally. He he was about uh, five years behind. Oh, that's
0: me. great. Yeah, that's those are some those are mm-hmm. some names that we all. I mean, I remember World Be Free. Boy, he that <laughs> guy could fill it up, couldn't he?
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, he was. Uh, he played varsity. He played varsity when I was there um so he wasn't that he was just you know about three years ahead yeah. of me he was the man i think he's still in philadelphia too i think he uh might be in a, he, a general manager's office he's i think he's still part of the six wow
0: yeah so so you ended up at lincoln university where's lincoln university
1: uh lincoln pennsylvania which is about one hour outside of uh philadelphia and tell me about
0: that experience
1: well, that was, well, it was strange how I got there because I didn't have a, a lot of support on what schools uh, to go to. And so I kind of relied on where uh, friends of mine, big brothers and sisters went. And there was, a um, there was a, I had a friend of mine and his brother, his name was Graylin, and he was a uh, probation officer. But, you know, I didn't know that. But I know he had a nice suit on and I know he had a briefcase and he had a car very nice car. And so I asked him one day, I said, you know, you know, what school did you go to? And he said, uh, I went to Lincoln university. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he kind of, you know, told me about it. You know, didn't really lay a heavy, heavy sail on it. Um, but, uh, I, I saw what he had accomplished. So I I went and did my own research at the time. There weren't computers and I went to the library, took the bus, went to the library, looked up Lincoln university. Um, so when it came time to apply, I applied to the list of schools that uh, our guidance counselors wanted us to apply to, and I applied to Lincoln University as well, and got accepted to all of the schools, and when I went, took, took my uh, trip visit to Lincoln University, I realized it was a historically black college, and it was kind of something that I needed. I needed to know the history of my people, kind of to know, you know how we kind of fit into society, you know, as I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, all I saw was, you know, poverty Mm -hmm. and, you know, drugs and gangs. And it gave me uh, a self of identity. And uh, they welcomed me, uh, welcomed me. I could play ball there. And uh, I knew they told me, you know, Thurgood Marshall went there and Langston Hughes and all these kinds of figures. And I decided that, you know, very welcoming and a nurturing environment in terms of, and I met with some of the, the upperclassmen, they told me how he had problems when they first came there, and they had labs and, you know, things to help you, you know, get up to speed if you had problems in different areas, and it just gave me a, a warm well, feel. So, tell me, like tell me tell
0: um, me what a historically black college is. Uh,
1: uh black kids, <laughs> basically, basically. Uh, the, uh, Back in the uh, after slavery, uh, there were land grants that were given to uh, different people, usually white abolitionists, uh, and they started black schools. Howard, you may have heard I of have. Howard people, that, yeah, and Lincoln, Morehouse, uh, Spelman, and they they started those schools, you know, for blacks after, after slavery, and they after, after slavery they just kind of built. Built built on them and built on them, and I mean anybody can go there. I mean we had white people there too, Africans, white people, Chinese people, um, and uh, but it's focused focused basically on the the it deals deals with more than just an education, it deals with your history, your identity, you know through the years of of slavery and discrimination and and not fitting in in America. Uh, a black school is a good place to get that kind of so, thing.
0: So, you know, when you first went there, um, you you went there as a freshman. When you, when you came out as a senior, did it? Do you think that that it was worth the four years you spent there?
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, I loved it. I looked around and saw some of the other friends that went to other schools, and they had all you know punched out. You know, in terms of grades, they weren't ready you know, coming from inner city schools, you know, they weren't ready during that time in the seventies. I mean, they just, just were not ready. They weren't prepared. You know, those schools did not prepare us. You know, they went to, you know, Penn state and, you know, some of these other schools and they lasted maybe a year, year and a half, you know, they just couldn't, they could not hang, you know, where I went, where I had issues, you know, they had labs and, and concerns if, you know, if I, if I didn't go to class enough, you know, my sister got a call, you know,
0: <laughs> and, uh,
1: so, you know, so there was, a, you know, so, they,
0: so how big a school was it? How many, how many kids went there?
1: Uh, 2,600. Okay, so small. I, so, I went
0: to a, a small school, University of Portland, which had about the same, and I do feel like small college can be good for, for people, but, um, so you're saying that there was a support system there. That understood where you came from and and knew that you needed more than just you know the 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 books you needed some sort of camaraderie and and spiritual help as well,
1: right, and knew that uh you know I didn't know any lawyers or any doctors or you know when I went to Lincoln, you know when the alumni would come back, I would see successful black people you know, and so that 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 helped me as well, you know, and I saw successful black people. And I knew what could be accomplished, you know, by that, you know, and uh, you know some of the things I was, you know, from an econ- from an academic standpoint, you know, the, the weaknesses that I had, they fixed them.
0: That's great. You and know? then, and then, so tell me about some of the, the things you did in the summertime when you were at Lincoln. Um, did did that help you prepare you for when you got out?
1: The uh, things that what, what did I do? Did you go summer? back
0: to Brooklyn every summer?
1: Well, I went back. To, I went back to Brooklyn. I usually had jobs in uh, didn't uh, didn't do internships. Uh, I had jobs in department stores. I worked at Macy's on Forty Second Street in Manhattan. You know, one summer and another summer. I think I did the same thing, mostly department stores. And you were
0: what were you doing there? Just working as a clerk or something yeah. like that?
1: In sales,
0: yeah. Sales. You know, I I uh, yeah. you and I had a similar path. I. And this, during college I worked for one summer at J.C. JCPenney and I remember going from every department and, and, uh, mm-hmm. I tell you, I, I learned how to, to run a cash register, fold clothes, all that stuff. And i tell you that, that was a really good education for me. Um, you know, when, when I end up trying cases is, is just to learn how businesses run different businesses and how they, how they operate and how to talk to people and sales and all that type of stuff. And, So I think that those summer jobs can be just as important as, as your schoolwork, you know? Oh, I fold, I fold a shirt better than anybody (laughs) in my house. (laughs) So, so you, you graduated from Lincoln. What, what was your degree in?
1: Uh, psychology and business. I minor in business. And so then
0: what was your, what what did you want to do with that?
1: Uh, I, I just wanted to get a job somewhere and work. Um, so I, uh, you know, I recruit, I I went to recruitment at Lincoln University and all the different companies came, you know, IBM and, and they were looking for engineering majors and all the majors that I didn't have. And so I interviewed, I interviewed with everybody, you know, and uh, one was one good thing about Lincoln was when people came to recruit, when they were coming to a black school, You didn't have to deal with the other kind of interviews where people find out that you're black. You can tell them in their face they weren't coming for you or looking for you. And uh, so I made the most of that. I went to all of those interviews. And when I got ready to leave Lincoln, I didn't have an offer. A lot of people had offers, but I didn't have an offer. And I was thinking, well, oh, my God, you know, what did I do? You know, and so, you know, I went back home and two weeks went by. And then I got an offer from, I got a letter from uh, Ed the Life and Casualty and State Farm. And State Farm wanted me to work in the claims department and the Life and Casualty wanted me to work in the underwriting department. So I took the position in uh, underwriting department. That was in Philadelphia. So you ended up
0: uh, moving to Philadelphia and with your first job?
1: Mo- moved to Philadelphia and I uh, had an aunt in Philadelphia and very small you know, modest house, you know, nobody had, a, had a whole lot of money. And I remember that, um, you know, I had, I stayed with her, but you know, I didn't have car fare to, to get to work. And you, know, you had to wait, wait, at least at the time, like a month. So I, you know, my sister had scraped together and gotten me a graduation ring. I remember pawning the ring so I could have cash so I could ride the bus to get to work. And after I got my first paycheck, it was like hitting the lottery. It was it was like one of the Did greatest. Did you ever get moments. that
0: ring back? Yeah,
1: I went back. And eventually, went back. Went, went oh, back and man. got it. That,
0: so that is a, that is a great story. So so you had to pawn your ring to get fare, bus fare mm-hmm. to go to your job.
1: Yep, and uh, another part of that story, um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie "The Officer and the Gentleman." When I think back now, that's what it felt like. You know, it's a very 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 poor block. And so before I started working, I got to know the people on the block before my start date. So I went to Philadelphia early. So I knew the people up and down the block. And uh, probably the last thing you would see on that block is somebody in a suit, unless they were a cop or somebody like that. So on my first day to work, when I walked into the, the bus station, I had my suit on and my tie. And as I walked down the North Philadelphia block on Allegheny, folks came out on the porches and were clapping. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And uh, so I, I got on the bus and, you know, went to work. And I worked for End of Life and Casualty for five years. And what was good was Mavis was in Philadelphia as well, but she was with uh, KP&G. Uh, Pete Mark and Mitchell is what it was called at the time.
0: And... Um, oh, hold and, on a second. Let's back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... People got on their porches and were clapping for you?
1: Was clapping for me. Because they knew, you know, I had a big, to them, a big-time city job. You know, and I had a suit and a tie on. And they knew me. You know, and they were happy for me. And they and they were like, you go, boy. You go. You go do it. You go show them. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was very touching, you know, that they were that happy for me
0: wow, oh, this is a great story so how'd you meet
1: mavis the uh, i had I had met mavis uh through my uncle years years earlier than that i had had met Mavis's mom uh knew my uncle my uncle had a uh a uh, clothing business and uh, the uh Mavis mom was a used to buy in from New my York.
0: Uncle. So, in so York, you and yeah. Mavis uh, trace back to both trace back to New York.
1: Yeah, we trace both trace. How long? Trace back how New long?
0: New when, when did you first meet Mavis?
1: I met Mavis in 70, 77. Yeah. I would say. So 70, you were you yeah. were just out of I'd out take- of
0: college then. Well, yeah. And then mm-hmm. and so where did she go to college?
1: And she she went to Lincoln as well, but she was behind me because I you know at that point. So this is where you need to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it worked out, and it worked out for her. So she was behind me. She she went to Lincoln as well, and she was was Miss Lincoln, and she worked in the president's office, and she did she did you know she's more a lot more famous there now than I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. nobody, but she everybody knows. Who so she Mavis, is.
0: so w- you and Mavis ended up getting married, huh? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we eventually got back to, got back, got together. When did you get married? And got married. We got, well, we we uh, dated for a long time, uh, exclusive and not exclusive. And when I graduated law school in 87, uh, we got married. I, uh, well, no, I graduated law school in 88. But we got married in 87 she wanted to make sure I didn't go away
0: <laughs> so so you guys been married about 33 years and that's wow great. that's great and yeah, then, that's exactly right um so um and where did you guys get married?
1: We got married in uh we were both in Philadelphia so we got married in New Jersey um because it was not it was nicer over there and it was a nice church over there. And so we got married in, I think, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That's
0: great. And then I Mm -hmm. bet your
1: sister was proud. Oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. So we had a nice wedding, too, because, you know, I was, uh, you know, working at Edna, which was kind of a staff position. And Mavis had, uh, you know, she was working for Pete. So, you know, she was making a lot more money than I was. And so when she got her bonus check, that's when we got married. (laughs) So she paid for the ah. wedding.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so you guys get married in '87, and um, you're, you're you graduate from law school in '88 from Case Western. And yep. tell tell the folks where Case Western is.
1: Case Western is in Cleveland, Ohio. Right.
0: And so uh, you're in Cleveland for three years, then, or?
1: Yep. Cleveland Do you like three that, years. Cleveland? Uh, Cleveland, it was great for... Cleveland had a very... From a housing market, it was very depressed, so you could probably buy a mansion for very little money. And when I think back now, instead of staying in the dorms, that's probably what I should have done. Um, it also, from a population standpoint, there were a lot more um, men there than women, which was good in terms of studying. Um, so... You know, when I first got there, of course, I wasn't married. And so it was very, very hard to date. So if, you know, so that was very conducive (laughs) to study. That's (laughs) great. I bet you
0: Mavis liked that, too.
1: Yeah, I'm sure she
0: did. So so (laughs) after you get married and you um, you graduate, what was the next move?
1: Well, the next move was to, you know, when, where am I going now? Am I going to back to where I came from at Edna? At Because I had gone from underwriting to the marketing side and uh, had gotten promoted and had moved to uh, Connecticut, Hartford. Um, and I was there for a minute when I found out I was going to law school. And so I knew people in the law department in Hartford, you know, where I could probably, you know, had a guaranteed job, or was I going to follow Mavis to uh, Chicago? Chicago? And I followed her here and came here without a job, which was probably good because it gave me time to study for the bar. And she, at the time, so she was all over the place because she was auditing. She was in Greece. She was in Paris. She was in South Africa. And I had to pass all that up so I could pass the bar. And so I passed the bar, and so I was looking for a job. And it was a mid-sized firm here in Chicago. In,
0: uh, so you worked. In we- how long did you work in in the for a private firm before you you joined the federal government?
1: Uh, two years. Two years with the firm, and um, um, no, three years with the firm and 2 years with the with the state i went with the what was the assistant attorney oh, general right. first. that's right yeah
0: and with under uh versus yeah. hart hartigan hartigan okay, so under under hartigan and yeah. then and then you went to go work for the uh, EPA
1: yeah then i went
0: how long did you work with the e- yeah. EPA
1: ooh i was with the EPA 20, 23 um, years
0: well hmm. i tell you i i the, the story of you Making it out of Brooklyn, and then the the uh, the the folks on the their porches clapping for you. That's that to me. That is, I remember it now. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, if you could, I know there's you've already told me about a number of defining moments uh, in your personal life, but are there any that stand out, Joe, um, in your personal life that were, were defining moments for you? Well, I think probably
1: passing the bar uh, because I was scared to death and I knew that if I didn't pass it, I wasn't going to ever pass it uh, because I put it all, left it all on the table. Like I said, I passed up a trip to Greece, you know, and the company was paying for it and, you know, to travel with Mavis around the world. Had quit my good job at Edna and so they were watching, you know. Everybody's watching. So Mavis is, you know, McDonald's was watching. And, you know, the people we knew from KPNG, they were watching. And family was the watching. The pressure was on, Joe. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> it was, and when I got the letter saying that I had passed, it was like, woof. I was like, okay, now, now you, I got it. Going did you
0: take on. your take yeah, your I wife did. out I, to dinner that night?
1: You know. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he did, but there was a celebrations. There was a bunch of, a series of celebrations for people who
0: were happy. Oh, that me. is terrific. And then, so how about personally, I, um, I, you know, can you tell us any defining moments for you personally?
1: Well, I guess probably, you know, having my son, my first son. Yeah. Well, all, all my kids, but my first son, you know, now you're responsible for something and somebody's magical, you know, and now somebody's you know, calling you dad and now you're responsible for this person um, for, you know, until they, until they leave the, the household, you know, so I, I'd say that's a defining moment, you know, when I had my first tell,
0: tell me about your kids. Tell us about your kids.
1: You know, well, I've got Joseph who is uh, 29. He kind of followed in my footsteps in terms of uh, EPA, which is where I worked as an attorney and he's a computer specialist and so he's doing very well. He's, he's moving up the ranks pretty good. He's a project person, not a people person. And he's, he's, doing, he's doing excellent. I've got my, uh, my uh, middle child, Alexander, who also, um, Joseph went to Eastern Illinois. And I got Alexander who went to an HBCU, Historically Black College and University, which is Morehouse in Atlanta. And, you know, growing up out here in Wheaton, which is, you know, all white, ninety nine percent white, and them being the only black, not in their class, but in the entire grade, <laughs> you know, and you know, and we're, you know, because you know, we're talking about, um, you know, when they were born, and you know, we had them out here in the nineties, uh, um, that 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 helped him, you know, in terms of finding his identity of who he was, and uh, he uh, he majored in finance and. Built a nice resume here in Chicago at some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, brokerage firms downtown in Chicago, and got a an offer to go with uh, Landmark Partners in New York. They're in New York, uh, Connecticut, I think, Paris, and London. The wow. uh, Private equity firms. So he's doing he's doing very 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 well.
0: So can, is he? So he he's going back where you came from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right now. He's he's in Manhattan. (laughs) He's yeah, he's paying uh, some crazy money for for a one room apartment. But he's he's new to he's near he's near the job. He wants to eventually wind up someplace like Dallas. Um, And uh, then there's Aaliyah, who just graduated and she started out in Loyola in New Orleans. And it was just it was just too much for, her. you know, I, I I was worried about her going there because she she grew up in a very protective environment, too, here in Wheaton. And I was worried about her. But sometimes they got to stretch their wings. And I wanted her to experience, uh, you know, what New Orleans had. And so she knew the real world. A lot of times kids grow up out here in Wheaton. It's like a bubble and they're just protected. And then they become victims because they're so protected. And she went to New Orleans, and she learned about you know how did Mardi Gras, the drinking, the <laughs> crime, you know. And she was like, "No, nah, this is too much, Dad." <laughs>
0: so, like, so did she end up graduating from college?
1: Yeah, she went to uh, she transferred to uh, Florida A and M University in Florida, which is in Tallahassee, which is a lot slower. She had some friends that had gone there, and that's an HBCU as well. Uh, And so she graduated with high honors from there, and she got a uh, had an internship with a couple of good companies and McDonald's, and uh, got some offer from offers, She was in media, got some offers from some some, uh, TV stations that were not paying very much, that were not very safe areas. So she kind of passed on that. And recently, she got offered a position at at a, a major company in there as a marketing specialist.
0: That's great. So, So, hey, listen, I I wanted to to switch gears here and just, you know, um, this has been a a really fun interview with a guy that I've known for years and years (laughs) and years. And I just have so much respect for. Um, But what kind of what what kind of things can you tell people that um, maybe are growing up in some of the neighborhoods you grew up in Mm -hmm. about how to how to to make it out of out of there and ha, some some different skills that they need or people around them that they need to get to those places and and any recommendations that you can give well i think environment is the key you've gotta you've got
1: to change your environment if you can't change your environments you've got to change your friends it's a whole lot easier for them to knock you down than for you to pull them up um, so that, that's the key. You know, I got to have the right kind of people that have the same kind of goals as you, the same kind of interest in you, people that do their homework, you know, as a matter of, matter of fact, when I see people, you know, begging on the street and I'll give them some money, I might say something like, you should have done your homework. <laughs> 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 and, yeah. uh, that's, you know, that's, that's really what it is, your environment and the friends that you're around. I mean that's that's always the key.
0: That's great. Well, listen, I, I I truly appreciate your time and 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 speaking with us. And I'm hopeful that you know one time down the line uh, you'll you'll talk to us again, and maybe we can rope uh, Mavis into telling us her, her story of coming from New York and traveling the world and uh, uh, yeah, doing all the great things with you along is, the journey. Yeah, her,
1: hers is a lot more exciting than mine. <laughs> no, I don't think
0: so. I, I I I'm I don't know if I'm going to get out of my, um, out of my mind that, um, that unbelievable vision of you walking down the street in Philadelphia and all the people coming out and, and,
1: uh, yeah, true, true stories. I get choked up every time I think about it sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, great. And
1: these are people, very, very, very poor people, very modest folks. And they were just happy for Mm -hmm. me.
0: That's wonderful. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time and I'm hopeful we'll be able to talk again. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for listening to the opening statement. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, you can email me at joseph at shannonlawgroup.com. Please subscribe and review if you enjoyed the show. I'll see you on the next episode.